So we are in week two of the I Love My Church series where we are looking at the core values of uh, Freedom Church and the, the core values that we felt like God was speaking to us at the very beginning of launching this church. Um, you know, give you a little in-depth in- insight of what it looked like to to launch uh, for for us was, you know, it started almost almost a year. I'd say eight months before we ever even moved to Camden, we were prepping and and we were doing classes. Uh, there's I got pictures on Facebook every year that they show up where uh, we're laying in bed in our house in California. I've got our laptop open streaming to our TV. I've got my iPad open and I'm taking notes and we're, we're going through an eight-week class online uh, through ARC for uh, launching this church. And then we had to travel to Alabama uh, for a week of, of in-depth uh, conference and study. And, and there was a lot that went into it and a lot of things that really we had to really look inside of ourselves and say, we've been doing church for a long time. Prior to that, I had been a youth pastor for 13, 14 years. I've been a part of church for a while, been part Part of church leadership, um, from an executive level, from from uh, worship and kids and, and all all these different areas, and so we had to look at it and go, what kind of church do we feel if we're going to launch a church? Think, I mean, think about it. there is a hundred and fourteen. We found hundred and fourteen churches in in Camden before we ever moved here. Hundred and fourteen. Now, whether that's inside the city limits, I don't know, but that's you know in general, okay. Um, 114, and, and this was the first question that we were posed just about every conversation we had. Why does Camden need another church? And it's a great question. Why does Camden need another church to come in and to, to, to be a part of this? The lights are freaking out on me. If they freak out again, if they freak out again, you know how you fix that? You're done in the name of Jesus. So, 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 um, it's, it's, it's a question that's real and you got to be able to answer it because if you just go, if you just say like some random answer, it, you, you feel like you're just kind of invading somebody's territory. Why does Camden need 140? And listen, I'm going to say this. I don't think that there's broken churches here in Camden. I don't think that there are bad churches. Well, I, hmm. I, 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 I don't think that I know of any churches that I would call bad. Let's just put it that way. Because I, I don't want to sit there and err and say, I don't think there's any bad churches. There's always bad churches everywhere. Okay? That's just the reality of human nature. There are people leading churches that shouldn't be. Okay? Um, but why were we called here? Why, why, what makes our church any different to come in here and to do church here in Camden? And that's where these core values came from. And I didn't come up with all of them. Um, I stole a few of them from other churches that I really, really like. And, uh, and, and I believe, though, that these core values direct and guide and lead everything that we do because it's not that we're better. We're just a little different. It's not that, it's not that, that I would sit there and say, well, we're better than all of these churches. Now, here's the thing. Inside my heart as a human being, yes, Absolutely. <laughs> Listen, if I didn't think that my church was the best, I wouldn't be uh, pastoring it, okay? I would hope that, not in a competitive way, but you would be like, you know, that, that you're not like, that, listen, this isn't gangs. We're not throwing down sets. We're not fighting other churches, okay? Although I think that if we did, we would win. I'm just going to let you all know, like, 
I'm gonna be very real. If, if listen, if, if West Side Story happened in the church, we win. <laughs> I know my people, okay? <laughs> um, so so here's here's the thing. Um, it's not it's not that competitive aspect. It's I hope that you want to belong here and that you feel like this is home. That it's, it's not that another church is doing it wrong. It's just maybe that it didn't connect with you the right way. And, and, and so if you don't know where your church sits, how can you sit there and say, well, I back this church. I love this church. And that's why, to me, it's so important for us to go through these core values every so often so that they connect to who you are and who we are, because it's not just about what the church does. If, if what we do collectively doesn't impact who, what you do individually, then we're missing the point because the reality is these core values are core values we want implanted into your life. I believe this. I believe that we have been treating the church like it's a place you go as a believer, not a people you advance the kingdom with. Right? What, I mean, what is the Bible? The Bible doesn't say, you know, go to church. It does say to gather. It says don't neglect the, the coming together as, as a body. But when it speaks of the church, it speaks of a people. It speaks of a group of people making a difference. It, when, when, when they say, you know, we have made it about I'm going to go, and, I, and I've said this over the last couple of weeks, we, we look at church as me and Blake watching the pastor. Where'd he go? He disappeared. Right? Like, like how many, if you were here on Easter, how many threw, it, threw you off when you walked in and the whole room was a circle? <laughs> you know, like, you're like, oh crap, where's my seat? Oh, I don't know what to do. Uh, and then like you had a guitar player like right here and you're like, this is really uncomfortable. I hope you have a Tic Tac. Because it threw you, because you're like, wait a minute, there's not rows. Churches have rows. They look at a sage. But think about the, the, the beginning of the church. I mean, first of all, you know, you go back to the synagogue. They went in and, and they collected, and there wasn't seats. Like, so if you ever go to like an, or, an Eastern Orthodox church, um, there are no seats. You stand, and, and, and it's, you know, they've got the robes and all that kind of stuff. And I had, we had a friend of ours that, uh, one of the pastors in town in California, he was Eastern Orthodox, and we would meet at his church every now and then for pastoral uh, gatherings. And <laughs> they would, you know, they, he'd have the robe and you stand. And they have little, uh, they call them emblems and paintings all along the wall. And it can get really uncomfortable. You're really hoping that he speaks very shortly. You know, we give you a seat so that you can get comfortable. (laughs) Some of you are like, can we go to standing? Um, Maybe he'll get out faster. But the church isn't a place that we go. We say, I'm going to church. But really, the statement should be, I am the church. Because when we have that mindset, church goes with us everywhere we go. It's not something that we package up, put it, lock it, the key, and go, well, I've had church for the week. No, if I am the church, then I carry the, the, the heartbeat and the, the power and the purpose of the church everywhere I go. We've got to stop treating it like a place that we go and start becoming a people that advance. You have to realize that the majority of your time is not here inside these four walls. 
at most an hour and a half every Sunday. If you're really dedicated, you come on first Wednesdays. If you're uh, part of youth and you're seeing it here on Thursdays, so like at like the most, 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 you're like maybe six, seven hours if you're like a hardcore like freedom churcher, uh, you know. Can that be a thing? Hashtag freedom churcher. Like if we're going West Side Story, like. See, yeah, get church, Freedom Church, or Southside. Um, listen, two squirrels playing ping pongs. The majority of our time is not spent inside these four walls, it's spent outside of them. So the question becomes, who are we outside these four walls and are we carrying the purpose of the church and the fulfillment of our purpose and the fulfillment of our gifting outside of these four walls? We've Viewed, listen, how, how many have ever heard this saying, the church is like a hospital? A great statement, by the way. It's not wrong. But we have to stop viewing the church only as a hospital where we bring the sick and the hurting and, and those that need Jesus because then what happens when they get saved and whole? Then they just sit around? No. It's, it's a church. It's, it's a hospital for the hurting and the sick where they come and they find healing and wholeness and purpose. But it is also an equipping post to send people out from. It is a place that once you find your healing and once you find your wholeness in Christ, and by the way, that is a process, so even in the process, you can do both. You can find healing and be sent out to do and fulfill the purpose of God, that we equip you and we teach you how to live this Christian life. All right, let's jump into some scripture this morning. We're going to look at uh, one, of, one of the final statements of Jesus. It is called the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It says this. Therefore, now, therefore normally means there's something that you should have read before that. Go home and read what verse 28, 18 says and all of that. But he says, therefore, in other words, look, I've done my job. I'm Jesus. I went to the cross. I came back. Y'all now have power. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Anywhere in there, did you hear, therefore, pastors and leaders go and make disciples? No. Anywhere in there, did you hear, therefore, those that are spiritually fit and spiritually strong and have been doing this for way too long, you're the ones that go and do this. No, it says, listen, he's talking about talking to, to about 11 to 12, to make, you know, if it's all of the people in the upper room, upward to 120 people at that time, at most 120, okay? And he looks at them and he says this, here's, here's part of my final words. You're all equipped. Now, could you imagine beings in that circle and you're like, is he sure? Like, he picked us, but really? We're the ones gonna make the difference? Like, could you imagine, I, I think part of that conversation was, Jesus, do you really gotta go? I know you say you got to go be with the Father and you're going to send the Holy Spirit, but we kind of like you leading this thing. So could you stick around and do it a little more? A little longer, we're not ready. And he says, no, 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 you're ready. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, teach them. He says, you, you have the capability, the ability within you to, to, as long as you are putting in, you have the ability to give out what I've been teaching you. Now, you may go, well, yeah, well, that's easy for the disciples. They were with Jesus for three years. These same people, as soon as Jesus died on the cross, said, you know what? This was fun, but let's go back to fishing. They were not the sharpest tools in the shed. Like, well, that was a fun three years. Let's go back to fishing. 
Jesus resurrects and finds them going back to their normal job. And he's like, y'all are idiots. <sighs> Let's go. Come on. Back to the drawing board. And then he says, and then he says this, therefore go. Make disciples, baptize them, and teach them. These are action words. I believe that, the, that, that where the power of the church really comes together is when we realize that church is an active verb and not a place, a noun, where we go to. Like, you hold the power. Here's, listen, here's the craziest part, and we're going to talk about this a little bit in our At The Movie series, which is going to come in October. Yeah. It's my favorite series all year long, people. Uh, but there, I'm pretty sure, let, let me just say, I'm pretty sure that we're going to do a movie, and we're going to talk about this specific thing, where Jesus says, listen, I have given you the same power and the same ability to do the same miracles that I'm doing. Think, think about that. Jesus says that each and every one of you sitting in this room right here, right now, have the power and the capability to draw from the Spirit of God and do the same things he did when he walked this earth. Miracles. Miracles. Now, I've seen some miracles in my day, but there's still a lot that I haven't. I'm like, God, I would be really cool. One day I'm going to walk on water. And step out on a pool and be like, but listen, there's got to be a purpose, right? So it's not, it just can't be for the cool factor. Like maybe an alligator will be chasing me down the river and you'll see me running. I don't know. Like there's a purpose if I have to walk on water then. I'm not letting no gator eat me. I want, I want to create, I want to see God do, I want to see you walk in and man, have a report of cancer's gone. And I don't care, listen, I don't care if it's in a miraculous moment by prayer or if it's in a miraculous moment by the doctors using medicine, it's still a miracle because we trust God in it. It's action words. Many modern churches would have you believe the call is to come and listen, but Jesus said, go and make disciples. Somewhere along the line, we, we, got, we got the call of Jesus twisted. Go and listen. Just come to church. No, 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 no. Come to church, please. Invite your friends. Have them sit with you. But eventually, it has to be an action. Hey, listen, you've came to church. You, you've heard the word of God. You've allowed God to press into your life and, and, and touch and heal and, and make you whole, give you purpose and, 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 and help you find freedom. Now, Go. And make disciples at your workplace. Go make disciples within your family group. Go make disciples when you're going and hanging out at restaurants and, and with old classmates or whatever it may be. We have got to start seeing the action in what we're called to do. This is the call and purpose of Freedom Church. To build a culture that is family-oriented, that believes in the multiplication to the kingdom of God. That's the goal. Like, we're family. We don't have to be blood, but we're family. You don't have to like me, but you got to love me. We're going to spend a long time together. So we may be on the opposite ends of the kingdom. If Jesus has to separate us, that's fine. I don't think that he could put all of Freedom Church on the same block. We would, we'd run a holy wreck. Oh, Lord Jesus. Got to split the Freedom Church crew up. But this is our call to build a culture of family. Like you, you don't just come and, and you're not just you're not just here. You're you're a part of the family. That's why one of our hashtags, as silly as it may be, is Freedom Fam. Because because we don't want to just create a church where you come. We want to create a culture where we understand that we're family. We have each other's back. We're supportive of one another. 
We all play a part and have a role in the family business. So that's why you'll see it everywhere uh, on our website. We see it on our flags outside. We believe that our purpose is fourfold. It is very simple. It is to help you know God. It is help you to find freedom, to discover your purpose, and then to go and make a difference. These four things, we, we, we constantly, through the messages and through life groups, we constantly want to help focus those four things. Know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, make a difference. I do not want to be a part of a pacifist church that just watches the world burn, but a church that is active in advancing the kingdom of God. I don't want, I don't want to sit on the sidelines and go, well, Jesus, come quickly. We're going to hell in a handbasket. <sighs> Just let the sinners do their thing. Jesus is going to come back. No. I don't want to watch the world burn unless it's because we are excited about Jesus and we're giving them a different fire to be excited about. I want to be a little bit crazy, a little bit weird, a little bit out there, and that's fine. I don't want to just watch the world burn. I want to set a new fire to it. I want to actively advance the kingdom. I want to shift the culture. I want to grow leaders within, within each and every one of you. I want to show people their purpose and discover their gifts so that the world around them can be different. That's why we do life groups. It's not so that we can keep people busy. It's so that we can connect people. Some of you wouldn't have the friendships you have if it wasn't for being a part of life groups. It would, going on walks on the trace or going to art group or, you know, whatever, the, the ladies, you guys, listen, life group's supposed to stop at like 8.30, 10 o'clock, and me and Eric are on the phone like, yo, <laughs> send help. Because, why? Because, because you just, you know, the, the study was over two hours ago. You're still eating food and, and, and cackling. Y'all don't cackle. Y'all have fun. Some of you are going, with cackle? That's <laughs> why we have First Wednesdays. And can I tell you, it's, it's one of the things that I love that the church just has not caught on yet to yet. Because we say prayer and people are like, ooh. Listen, <laughs> we can't be a, a powerful church if prayer is not the forefront. We need to pray with one another. We need to pray for our, our community. We need to pray for other churches. We need to be a church of prayer. Every year we do a, a beginning of the year, we do a 21 prayer and fast. At, in August, we typically do a 21 days of prayer. And here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, starting today, uh, over the next three weeks, we're gonna do 21 days of prayer. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to show up. No, 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 no. Don't, oh man, what are you throwing at us? We're doing life groups. Um, but every day we're going to get on there and maybe I'll get on Instagram and Facebook and maybe I'll do a, have a little time of prayer. Maybe I'll, I'll just throw something, a, a prayer point for you to focus on. But every day there's going to be some way or fashion, maybe it's a text message. So if you don't, if we're, if you're not on the text message group, you're missing it. Um, but maybe we, we throw out a, a, a prayer point out there. And then the, the last week we might have a day or two where, where we say, Hey, listen, if you've got time and you want to come and join and be a part of some prayer at the church, it's open. We've got to be a church about prayer. Discipleship has been, uh, I like this definition about, about discipleship. It says, intentionally equipping believers with the word of God through account accountable relationships empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to replicate 
faithful followers of Christ. Let me read that one more time. Intentional, which means that we're doing it on purpose. Equipping of believers means that together we are equipping our faith, strengthening our faith, studying with the word of God through accountable relationships empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to replicate faithful followers of Christ. It is, it is literally saying, hey, look, Blake, will you hold me accountable? We're going to hold each other accountable, and we're going to grow together. And whether it's through a Bible study or maybe it's just a little bit of one-on-one time, you know, every other week where we just say, hey, let's grow. Let's, what are you reading? What are you, what, are you, what are you getting excited about? What are your challenges? What, what can I pray with you about? We, we do so much of life alone, that, and, and then we try to figure out why our faith isn't growing. It's because nobody is coming along to a side of us and saying, hey, look, I know you're a really smart dude, and you got school, and you got work, and you're about to get married and all this stuff, but if Jesus isn't at the forefront, all that's going to mean nothing, and you're going to get really frustrated with life. And I'm not like reading his, his, his story to you. I just, I, I know him and, and not, not that he's frustrated with life, but that's what he's walking through. And isn't it really easy to get isolated when you're busy? And that's when you need people the most. It's when the church needs to be the church to come along and say, hey, look, don't forget, I got you. I, I've got you. And, and listen, it can't just be the pastor. I will fail you if that's the point. I'm, I'm a, listen, listen, everybody look at me. I will fail you. If I'm the only one that you are entrusting to disciple people. Blake, me, Rodney, Rodney, meet Blake. Me, Blake. Y'all can disciple each other. <laughs> so we'll start pairing off people. Who, who wants to be next? Uh, but listen, Blake's like, wait, I didn't get a say in this? <laughs> but, but listen, it's as simple as that. Hey, let's go get some coffee. Let's talk life. Me, me and uh, Stephen, were out, we were outside my house just a uh, couple of days ago, just talking life and talking about church and talking about Christianity. We, we, were, we were discipling. We were talking about life. Many times I've been on the phone with, with some of you and just talking life. And, and listen, it's about building life and doing life together that is so, so important. So all of that is the intro, and I've got like six minutes to give you my, my two core values. Let me read you one more scripture, uh, and then I'm going to give you a core value, okay? Matthew 11, 12, one of my favorite active kingdom verses. And from the time uh, John the Baptist began preaching until now, this is Jesus speaking, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and violent people are attacking it. Jesus was saying, listen, we are not a pacifist belief. This isn't just something you do from the upper level of a stadium. The kingdom of God is, is, listen, if it's forcefully advancing, it means there's another kingdom that is fighting against you. A kingdom that wants you to be confused, a kingdom that wants you to be worried and anxious and depressed, a kingdom that wants you to be so overwhelmed with your to-do list that you forget that there is a Jesus who came to give you peace. See, there's another kingdom that is advancing on you. And as a Christian, if you just sit back, it will continue to push you around. It'll just continue to, ah, you, you know, it's easy when he's sitting down because he's, he's way stronger than me. <laughs> but it's, it's real easy to push somebody around who's not, who, he's like, <laughs> who's just pacifist. Nope, you stay there. <laughs> It's real easy. Listen, I love this. It's, it's like beating up a little kid. It's, it's, it's easy. 
But eventually, Blake's going to stand up and I'm going to run. <laughs> I'm not, I won't go with my tail tucked, but I'll go down. But that's what I'm saying. It's so many times as Christians, we sit there and we just allow the devil to keep pushing and pushing. And we go, oh, oh, I'll never be bold enough. I'll never be strong enough. I can't give up my addictions. Yes, you can. Stand up. Matthew eleven twelve. 12. The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. It's not sitting there allowing the enemy to continue to beat you up. It is getting up and saying, he who is in me is greater than the world, and I'm going to move. You may not, listen, you may not win every battle, but you're promised to win the battles. You may have some beat up moments, but you know what? You're going to progress if you are active in your faith. All right, core value number three. All of that is the setup. Core value number three, we live generously. Some of you are going, we got lunch, bro, hurry. We live generously. Oh, here we go. I know exactly where y'all going. (laughs) To get your money out. Okay? We having a tithe day. No, I'm just playing. (laughs) Um, By the way, that's kind of a cackle. All right? Isaiah 32, 8. Listen to this. We live generously. Isaiah 32, 8. But generous people plan to do what is generous and they stand firm in their generosity. Some of you are going, I don't have the gift of generosity. Sorry, bro. Generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm on their generosity. It has nothing to do with how they feel. It has nothing to do with what their pocketbook looks like or what their check accounts, checking account says, and it sometimes has nothing to do with money in general. You can be generous financially, but a really crappy person. You're not generous. You're a show-off. A generous person is generous across the board with their life. It has nothing to... Generous people are generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. When hell comes after them, they stand firm in their generosity. Listen, we are generous because God is generous. We are generous because God is generous. It's not because you are good. It's not because you have a ton of money. It's not because of anything else. It's because the God inside of you is generous with himself, and it overflows from us. If you don't believe me, look at Titus 3.6. He, God, generously poured out the Holy Spirit upon us through who? Jesus Christ, our Savior. Trinity, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, showing off the Trinity. God the Father is generous because he gave us the Holy Spirit to live through Jesus Christ who died on the cross for your sins. He's generous. And if he's generous, how can we be tight fist with anything in our life? Well, you know, I just got, I just have. Listen, we're all busy. I'm not saying that we're not. And I'm not saying that you need to live here 24-7. And I'm not saying that you need to empty your pocketbooks for the church. Okay, can we get all of the, the standard like crazy out of the way? Like whenever the pastor talks about generosity that I'm expecting you to grab your sleeping bag, come back and just live in a compound. Empty all of your bank account to me so that, you know, I can go buy, you know, a million dollars worth of necklaces like the dude in New York. Oh, yeah. Uh, look it up. New York pastor that, you know, you know, these generosity pastors, you got you to gotta be poor so I can be rich. No, no, no. Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> Stepping on some toes. He's generous, so we're generous. 
God calls us to be generous people because he is a generous God. Generous with what? Our time, our talent, and our treasure. It's threefold. It's about living a generous lifestyle that my time, my talent, and my money is all of God's. I'm just a steward of it. We, 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 we don't, we're like, oh, I don't have time to, to be a part of a one-hour prayer service on Wednesday night, but we got time to binge watch whatever show you like to binge watch. <laughs> and listen, there's a day, there's, there's time for that. My wife was binge watching Blue Blood yesterday. I had to drag her out of the house, okay? Like, we're going to dinner. Get, your, get some clothes on, okay? She had to get her makeup on. Sometimes you got to get away from that. God calls us to, to give our time, our talent, and treasure to him. I don't believe we will get to heaven and say things like, I wish I didn't give so much of my time, talent, and money to the kingdom of God advancing. I don't think we're going to get up there and be like, well, you know, I could have gave less and got here. I don't think we're going to get up there and be like, you know, I wish I wouldn't have served the kingdom of God. I wish I wouldn't have served at church. I wish I wouldn't have served in my community. I don't think, I don't think we're going to say that. Yet we live like it's a burden to be generous for the gospel. Grow your toes. It's okay. It is God's very nature to be generous, which means as we get closer to him, it becomes our heart to be generous to the world around us and to the God that loves us. I've heard people say things like, well, you know, I'm just going through a really tough time and, and I think I need to take some time off. That's a lie. When, 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 when you're going through it, you, you need it more. And so the times where you're like, I'm just a little too crazy and, and, and I just feel overwhelmed, maybe you need to be connected to somebody. And, and, and I'm not saying you need to serve here at the church like 24-7. I'm saying maybe you need to press in a little, just a little more so that you can see that God's going to walk you through it and you're going to be better off for being a part of the body rather than pushing yourself away from the body. There's no doubt in my mind we do a good job here at Freedom Church serving, giving our time, talent, and treasure. But I don't think we are living out our full potential in generosity. I don't. And that's from me on down. Like, listen, that's, that's everybody involved. I believe that, that the potential for us to really be generous, we've started to just scratch the surface as a church and as individuals. Everyone, listen, everyone should serve. Everyone. There's none of you that is not included in everyone, by the way, just so you know. Like, you can't say, well, my nickname is no one. Oh, well. <laughs> You're everyone today. Everyone should serve. Everyone should tithe. Oh, I knew he was going to talk about money. Everyone should look for the opportunities to make a difference. Time, talent, and treasure. The Bible says it this way. Where you put, where, where, where you put your heart treasure is, is where your real treasure is at. These aren't my words. These are Jesus. If you've got a problem, take it up with him. Right? So he says, listen, where you put your, 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 your passions and you put your finances and you put your time, that's really what you, like, it, so, so you have to ask yourself, where's the balance? Where is God in your purpose to live generously? So I want to give you three scriptures that just kind of point you to this, right? And some of them are going to talk about money, so just buckle up. 1 Timothy 6.18, tell them, okay, this is, this is, Paul, speaking to Timothy, who was a pastor, he said, preach this to your church. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always be ready to share with others. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says this, and God will generously provide all you need. 
then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, couple scriptures ahead of time. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. So listen, uh, Jesus talks uh, almost, well, it's one of the most highly uh, talked about topics with Jesus, money is. So if you think like pastors, first of all, pastors don't talk about it enough because they're afraid. If I talk about it, y'all are going to run. And my goodness, Sundays have been good the last few Sundays. I really don't want y'all to leave. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but here's the deal. If you're not tithing, oh God, I'm gonna, some of y'all are going to leave the church today. Um, if you're not tithing, you're not being biblical. And listen, this isn't me trying to, to do anything other than to give you the word of God. Okay? Now, you can pick your poison. Okay, Old Testament, New Testament, or all Bible. I choose all Bible because New Testament is way too much uh, headache for me as a pastor. The New Testament Bibles, uh, the, the way that some of them did it was that all of y'all made your money and then brought it to me and we had one big gigantic uh, bank account and then I divvied out the way that I thought you needed. How oh, I don't want to do that. Don't make me do that. I, would, I, will, I will quit and I will run and I will go work at Walmart. <laughs> okay, like, no. Old Testament, we talk about 10%, right? So just real quick, let me, as, as, as quickly as I can theologi theologically give you uh, why 10%, because that's what God said, okay? But here's the thing. Did you know that if you actually study tithing and offerings in the Old Testament, they, the average Jew actually gave around 23% of their income to the Levites, the church. The Levites did not work. They did, what they did was they, they, were, they were priests. They were set aside. They didn't have their own land. They lived off of what the other 11 tribes uh, provided for them, okay? That's why when we talk about full-time ministry and, you know, why does, why does a pastor need to be full-time and do they need to be full-time? I don't think it's, it's a have to, but it is a blessing to the church when the pastor can be, okay? This is not a message on me trying to get back to full-time. I'm trusting God that that will happen. This is not that, but we will never get there if I don't preach Biblical finances, okay? And I can tell you right now, a full-time pastor is far better than a part-time pastor who works full-time anyways. Because listen, this is not a woe is me. So everybody just break your little fiddles and violins. This is not a woe is me. I love my life. I am not complaining. I could be in Kenya, Africa, eating out of, you know, Pumba. I don't, it could be way worse, okay? It could be way, way worse, but when I have to go and work 10 hours Monday through Friday, and then I have to divvy up what's left of my day between my family and my calling, then I'm not able to give what I want to to you guys, my people. That's just the reality. Let me give you a, a, a very practical example. If you go to the hospital, I can't guarantee that I can come. Please don't be mad at me. Don't be, my pastor didn't come to the hospital. I probably was at work. So there's things that a full-time pastor can do that a part-time bivocational pastor cannot. So listen, why, why, listen, I know the, the, the <laughs> I always get a little nervous when I start preaching like this. Um, but if y'all don't, if, if I'm afraid to speak the truth, then you'll never know why it's important. And, and beyond that, beyond just having me accessible as a full-time pastor, the Bible says that you are blessed when you give. Now, here's the funny part about, about uh, 
praying for tithe, when, when people used to pray in church, uh, I remember people saying stuff like this, God, we just bless those that give. No, that's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible to bless those that give. The Bible says that there is a standard of giving and which your blessing begins when it comes to give and receive. So throwing $5 in the offering plate doesn't, give, doesn't connect you to the blessing of God's financial backing of, of blessing. It actually starts at the 10%. This is not, listen, you can study it, and if you think that I'm wrong, bring me the scriptures that say otherwise. But the reality is, is that God says, if you truly want the blessings of, God's fi- uh, of, of him over your finances, then you have to submit your finances to him. And it's not about amount. Think about what Jesus did with the, with the beggar, the poor lady. And she comes and she drops two pennies in the, tithe, uh, the tithe bucket. And this, uh, this rich guy comes and he just drops what was easy for him. Throws a thousand dollars and he's like, look at my amount. And Jesus says, the person who gave better was the, the poor lady. She gave all she could, not just what was easy. Me and, me and Stephanie have been tremendously blessed throughout the years because we tithe. Not when it's easy, but when it's hard. I remember when we first got married, we couldn't, like, people were like, if you can make it past the first year of marriage, it's amazing. I'm like, first year of marriage was easy. We were broke. We knew we couldn't afford anything. Like, a great day, and this will show you how old I guess I really feel, but, you know, a great date night was going down to Blockbuster, getting a a DVD and a pizza, and we would turn our living room into, like, a picnic. Some of you young folks are going, what's a Blockbuster? (laughs) It's like Redbox, but an actual store. (laughs) And, and, and we would go, back, and it would like cost us $15, and, and we would put the, the sofa uh, cushions down on the ground, and we'd make a little picnic, and we'd watch a movie. So it wasn't about the, 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 the money. It was always about, it's always about the blessing of God following us when we do what God calls us. Generosity, you could, like I said, you can give money. Hey, John, look away. Nothing to see here. Um, nothing to see here. Whew. Just about started a riot. <laughs> Say, <laughs> Listen, God's generosity, and I think where the failure of the church happens is we talk about money just in generosity. It's in the serving. It's, it's in how we serve. It's in how we, we, we come together and we do our serve days. It's how we serve here at the church. It's how you live your life outside every single day when you interact with people. Are you generous? When, when somebody starts talking to you, and, and, and I was there just the other day. We were, listen, we were at Walmart. We were buying dog stuff. And uh, this sweet old man walking with his cart, buggy, whatever you want to call it. He had a bunch of water and some dog stuff, and he's, he had, you know, a little hunch to him because he's older, and, and you could tell that's how he walks. And he was in our way, like, honestly, just being, like, legit, like, he was just in our way. But I'm nice. I'm a sweet guy, right? So I started talking with him, and he goes, just out of nowhere, he goes, yeah, I lost my wife, and I just lost my mom. Dang, how old? Like, I didn't say this to him. That would be rude. Like, dang, how old is your mom? (laughs) Right? I could tell. Like, he's just just hungry to talk to somebody. 
He'd lost his wife earlier that year, and, and literally within two weeks, he, he has just lost his mom, and now he's got nobody but his dog. And he just sat there, and he just, he just talked and talked and talked and talked. And like, I'm just thinking, like, and legit, legitimately, me and Stephanie were really trying to get out because we were, we were busy. Generosity says, my time can be inconvenienced for the kingdom if it shows love to other people. And so I let the man just ramble. And I just sat there and said, man, bless you. Oh, man. I know that's got to be tough. Five minutes of my time, which I was trying to get in and out. Trying to make it 30 seconds. And he he just talked. He just needed somebody to talk with. It's just generous. I mean, five minutes doesn't seem like it, but in the moment, you're like, oh, dude, talk a little faster. But he just talked. And at the end of it, I said, you know what, man? I know that's got to be tough. I'm praying for you. What's your, what's your name? All my name is. I'm going to be praying for you. And I mean it. And he looked at me, and he goes, what's your name? And I said, Scott. And he said, I'm going to be praying for you. And then he stopped and he goes, and I just want to let you know, I know a lot of time people say that and they don't, but all I got is time. So I'll be praying for you. Generosity says, I'm going to give of myself when it's inconvenient. I'm going to give of myself when it's convenient. I'm going to leave this world a better place. I'm going to do all I can to speak the name of Jesus and to live the kingdom principles that I am going to advance the kingdom more with my life. That 2 Corinthians 9, 6, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. What are you planting and where are you planting? Because that's important. Is it going to matter what's in your bank account? Is it going to matter how big your house is or how small your house is or what car you drive or what clothes you wear? Listen, God takes care of us. That's what he says, right? So it's not about whether you have nice things or, or not nice things. And it's not about, you know, sometimes we think, well, Christians need to live a poor life. No, 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 no. You can live and do you but put God first. Where are you planting your crops and what is important? What are you growing in your life? When there are enough farmers, we are constantly raising more up and we won't feel overworked, overburdened, isolated, or underappreciated. We will run as one, serve together, have fun together, grow together, and advance together. That's what happens when we work together. I hope I say this enough to those that serve here at Freedom. I love you. I thank you for your time and energy. I thank you that you give of your time and energy. I'm thankful that every week in, week out, you are dedicated to the house and seeing people come to know Jesus. Lastly, in the, in the core value number four, I know I've already overdone my time, so I'm helping y'all. The, the, the core value number four is this. We are contributors, not consumers. And really, we're consumers, but we're consumers for a purpose to contribute. We consume so that we can live out. We will not be a church that just sits by and idly lets five people do the job of the church. We eat of his word. We get discipled so that we can give out and we can serve. We cannot give from a well that we have not been willing to dig. We have to be willing to to dig into our spiritual life and to to ask God to fill up our life so that we can give out and to serve and to love people. We are one body. Okay, so we can't be missing an eye. And can I tell you right now, we're, we're we're missing some eyeballs. 
We're missing some fingers and some arms and legs in the, in the church. We're, 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 we're understaffed, and that's, listen, understaffed in this sense. We don't have volunteers. We have dream team members because I don't want you to feel abused and used. If you feel that way, I'm sorry. Please come talk to me so I can grovel at your feet and tell you I love you because I do. I, I pray for you often. If you serve, especially if you serve, I pray that God continues to, to fill that tank up when you serve. But I want you to, to understand 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 27. Sounds like a lot, but it's actually not. It says this, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, does that make it any less part of the body? And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? That'd be really weird. It'd be Mike Wazowski. <laughs> or if you... If your whole body were an ear, it would even be weirder, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary and the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. So you can't sit there and say, well, I'm not talented like, so I'm just not going to find a place to serve. Talent has nothing to do with it. It has everything to do with willingness. I highly doubt Deanne would have been like, you know what? I want to be a greeter. I love people. She does love people. I'm sure she loves more, certain people more than, than, you know. I don't think that, you know, but here's the thing. When I came to them and said, you know, would you guys serve together as a couple? Would you do this for me? They're like, yeah. Now I love seeing, it, seeing their smiling faces and, 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 and iced coffees and, and, you know, because listen, iced coffee and energy drink or, or you, know, vice, you know, not vice versa. I don't think I've ever seen an energy drink in her hand. One of the greatest things that's ever been said about freedom is I love the fact that there's somebody always there at the uh, door waiting to say hi to me. You guys play a bigger role than I do most of the time, and you don't even know it. I hope you know that. Within seven minutes of a new person coming to a church, they have already made up their mind whether they're going to stay. It has nothing to do with me. <laughs> nothing. Like, I am just icing if you like me. They're judging the people that they greet. Are they friendly? Do they got donuts? Yes, we do. Is the coffee hot and not made yesterday? Yes, it is. Not made yesterday. It's made fresh every Sunday. Is the church clean? Do I know where to go? Are people friendly? By, by the time that worship has started, most people have already decided whether they're going to stay at a church or not. The, and I'm not, I don't think this, the less than roles, I'm just a greeter. No, you're everything to us. I'm just the media. No, 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 no. Without you, we're really confused. Listen, when Pastor Scott forgets to put something in the computer and, and, and then they start rolling or I get it out of order, listen, don't ever judge them. It's typically me. Um, put that on my shoulders. 
But how many of you have been there where, where you're looking for something and you're like, it's not up there. You're really confused. Why? Here, listen, listen. If we don't do our job right, then you don't get to connect with God easier. We need you. Everyone needs to play a part. There is no such thing as a weaker part of the body. Nobody gets left out moving as the body of Christ. We were not called to sit and listen, but what? Go and make disciples. Serve the kingdom. We actively serve within the church, which will make it easier to actively serve God for the kingdom out there. We need you as much as you need us. You find joy in serving on Sunday, on Wednesday, or a Thursday. You take ownership of ministry. This is the difference between contributor and consumer as I'm ending. The difference between contributor and consumer. A consumer will complain when the, when, when the job isn't or the product isn't done right. Oh, they could have done that song so much better. Oh, this church could have been cleaned a whole lot cleaner. Oh, they never play the songs I like. He never preaches on the things that I want. A consumer, think about it. If you've ever, how many have ever gone to a restaurant and just complained about the whole thing? Like you just, it was a horrible, like, okay, you know. Now, if you're in this room and you've worked at a restaurant, you only complain when it's really, really bad. You, you may inwardly complain, <laughs> but you don't outwardly complain because you know what they're going through. You know what it's like to have to, to serve and to, to run around and hustle and bustle and, and everybody's calling your name. and every, Listen, I've been a server and I was a manager over Olive Garden. I know what it's like to have this dude in a cowboy hat from Texas go, I want my steak blue. Shut up, eat my steak. <laughs> Sir, this is California, not Texas. We don't make blue. We will kill you if it's blue, okay? <laughs> I can give it to you bloody. I can't give it to you blue. I don't, that's unacceptable. Then you need to go back to Texas, sir. <laughs> Take your cowboy hat and your boots and you got to go. But did I say that to him? No. You know what I told him? Sir, I'm so sorry that we can't do the steak prepared the way that you want because the state of California will shut us down. Here, I'm going to buy your whole meal. Why? Because as a contributor, I'm going, how will I bring this person back to my place and spend the $400 that I just uh, gave him? Because I bought his whole table, his food. But you know what? He went, man, nobody's done that for me. See, we don't know what people are walking through. And as contributors, we will find ways to show people God's love and be a part. Oh, man, you know what? The church isn't clean enough. Well, maybe, you know what? When, hey, when do you clean the church? Because I'm going to show up and I'm going to help. These teenagers are so noisy. <laughs> How can I help? Thursday, 6 o'clock. Oh, and let me give you, and listen, I'm passionate about these two, and that's why I'm going a little longer. I apologize. You know this isn't normal. We had a, a 72-year-old man named Ray at our church in California. Backbone of the church. Awesome man. About eight years into running the youth ministry there, he, he goes, Pastor Scott, well, it was probably more like six or seven. He goes, Pastor Scott, I really feel like I need to get involved with teenagers. How can I really serve the youth? I said, show up. I said, join our team. We had about 13 staff members on our youth staff. I said, join the team. But really, what can I do? I said, you'd be surprised how many of those kids need a grandpa. 
And he showed up and he was so like, he was amazed at how he could serve and love on these kids and also be the one that when things were going sideways, send grandpa in. Grandpa don't play. <laughs> grandpa Ray's coming. <laughs> like, let, Ray, 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 that's not legal. I don't care. We're coming. <laughs> Bump the brakes. <laughs> Teenagers. Ah! Grandpa, slow down. But he was amazing. Ray was so in love with teenagers. He was like, I never knew I could get this much joy. It filled his cup. And he was like, I didn't even know that I could love this much. I didn't know that I could give this much. I didn't even think that kids would want to be around me. You have no clue the gift that God has inside of you that God wants to use. And you're like, but what do I have to offer? Let's find out together. It takes all of us. You will find joy in serving when you find the place that you want to be. Hey, listen, if you, here, here's the thing. You know, Blake goes, you know what? I want to serve in nursery. He doesn't serve in nursery. Well, he has served in nursery a couple times. Uh, and, and then Brooke said, please don't. Um, no, I'm just playing. I have no clue. But he goes, and he goes, you know, yeah, I, no, I, I can love, I, when I have a child, I can love that, but I can't love all y'alls. That's okay. Hey, let's find another place for you. It's not eternal, like, oh, God, you know, uh, I'm going to be put on media, and I'm going to suck, and then I'm just going to have to suck for, like, you know, ever. No, maybe you're not good at it. Let's find another place for you. You've got a place here. Each and every one of you have a place here. If you call Freedom Home, you have a place. No age is too young. No age is too old. You don't retire from the kingdom. You may retire from everywhere else, but the kingdom of God will use you until we put you six feet under. (laughs) That was a joke, by the way. Some of you are going like, oh, God, I don't want to serve. (laughs) Jesus is our example. Sharice, if you'll come. I want to end with Jesus' heart on serving. Matthew 20, 26 through 28. But among you, it will be different. Among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must first be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus' very heart was, I come to serve. And if that's Jesus' heart, shouldn't it be ours? I wrote this in my notes that a contributing Christian is more focused on the mission of Jesus than their personal preference. Jesus never said he was going to make you comfortable, but he was going to say that he would bring wholeness and healing to your life. He said that he would bring purpose to your life. He said that he would would fulfill you with joy and love and, and peace. None of that he ever said comfort, but he said in all of that, he will bring this to you. I don't want a church that's full of fat Christians. I would rather be tired and active than fat and happy. Because you know what's interesting about fat and happy is eventually you'd become unhappy. And you look down and you go, I need to get active again. And I'm saying there's a time and a place where you just eat, especially when you first come to know Jesus, you eat up his word. There's a time to work it off and go do something. So how? How do we live out these these two things, live generously and be contributors? It's very simple. 
be the church God has called us to be. If you've never given tithe, let me, let me, and this is, listen, this is just opinion. This is not theology. This is not biblical. If I was really going to re- preach biblical, I would say, be completely full of faith. And if you've never tithed before, figure out what 10% is and tithe that. That's biblical. Let me give you my opinion, <laughs> which means absolutely nothing in the weight of God. Just start. Just start. Challenge yourself. I'm going to give whatever. And then allow God to work on you to get up to what he wants you to give. Because at the end of the day, I could preach 10% and God could say 20% to you. And maybe you give 5% and it's all you can do and God goes, it's okay. I'm not God. But if you're not giving, you're not actively helping the kingdom advance. Financially, that's what God says. We live generously. If you're not serving, somebody else is having to pull the weight. During COVID, we, our, our teams went from like really good teams to expected. Now I'm asking, get back on a team. How do you do that? It's real simple. I made it real simple. On the connect desk, we have places where we need people to serve. Go find one. Here's what I'll promise you. Other than youth, which we need you every week, Every other place, we try to put teams together where they serve on a rotation. Right now, we have two people in nursery. We really could use a third and a fourth. Well, you know what that would mean? Is you serve once a month. If we have four people in nursery, that means you would serve once a month. Right now, our two people are serving every other week. Media. We've got three to four people that know how to do that back there. Listen, not in a knock on them because to be really good at it, you have to know what you're doing. It's really easy. It's not scary. I don't know computers. Well, we could teach you. You know, if we had a handful of other people, then they would only have to serve. Matter of fact, I think Kendall and Cole, I think this is the first time they've had to sit in in service. And and I can't even count the last time the both of you were having to sit in service. It it doesn't, it's not hard. You get to sit in service and and play with lights and and lyrics. (laughs) It's not as scary as it sounds. Greeting, can you smile and say hello and shake a hand? You don't even have to know that many words in the English language. Hello. Next. (laughs) We're going to get to the scarier parts where I start to pull people into leadership and say, hey, grab a mic. We're not there yet. (laughs) Some of you are going, whoa, 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 whoa. Get active. Go sign up for a place. And this week, we're going to text those that sign up and we're going to say, welcome to the team. Let's train you. Greeting, kids ministry, nursery, uh, media teams, youth, if you're really feeling froggy and want to be on the team, we really do need a couple more people to help. Let's get active. We believe in a generous church, so let's be it. We believe in being contributors, not consumers, so let's be it. Will you pray with me? I don't know what I just did. It doesn't like me. Whatever. I hope that you got something out of this morning. I pray that it challenged you to step up. And I, there's going to be areas where I think some of you are doing really, really well. And there's going to be areas where I think that we need to be challenged. I don't do my job well as the pastor if I'm a pacifist that just wants to make you happy. I'm going to preach the word.
And so, God, I pray this morning that if there's areas in our life where we need to be challenged, God, challenge us. Lay it on our heart. Let, let it have nothing to do with what I just spoke about. Holy Spirit, I ask that you do what only you can do. Challenge us to step up our game in certain areas. Because at the end of the day, I'm not trying to persuade anybody. God, I want you to do that. I want your Holy Spirit to, to challenge and change us, encourage us. God, if we're doing something well, encourage us. God, I thank you for those that commit and, sum, uh, and submit to your will and serve you well and are generous with their time, talent, and treasure. God, that we would see the kingdom advance because all of this has nothing to do with us and has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with you, Jesus. It has everything to do with those that are, that are here in Camden that don't go to church. Statistically, in a, in a, in a, in a town of 11,000 people, there are probably still 7,000 people that don't go to church on Sundays. What a number. What an exciting day where we can say we're a part of changing and shifting the culture of Camden for your glory. By living generously, not just in the church, but outside the church with our time, our talent, our treasure. Being, being contributors, not just serving at the church, but also serving the kingdom in our daily life. God, I pray that you would give us opportunity and open our eyes to the opportunities that we have to live and advance the kingdom in our lifetime. God, bless our week. Challenge our week, encourage our week, but God, I pray that we would be focused on your kingdom. God, I pray that we would be focused on, on, on joining a life group and, and being a part of the body and doing what we've been called to do. We love you, Jesus, and in your name we pray, amen.